morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 21st of July, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'll be catching up on the latest market news with Lucia Chachulovic, and I'm also joined by Manuel Villegas, and I'm looking forward to getting his latest thoughts on digital assets. But let's start with the markets. Good morning, Lucia. Good morning, Helen. So let's start by looking at some data. I guess the most important economic data we had yesterday was um, the US unemployment numbers. Um, The number of initial claims declined to the lowest level in two months, but the figure for continuing claims increased by the largest amount in more than three months. So what do you think we should be reading into these numbers? Well, Helen, the numbers really suggest that the labour market remains strong. Companies are holding on to their staff, although they have hired less in recent months. The robust labour market is and has been instrumental in supporting consumer spending. This offers some hope that the economy can avoid a recession this year. And just quickly, we've also received the US home sales number yesterday, which showed that sales fell to a five-month low in June amid limited inventory. Um, This is also helping to push sales prices close to a record high. I guess, though, regardless of this news, most investors are expecting the US Federal Reserve to raise interest rates by 25 basis points next week. And staying in the US, could you please give us a summary of the market action there yesterday and overnight? So more generally, US stocks fell yesterday after disappointing results from Tesla and Netflix dragged down technology shares. It also prompted investors to assess whether the recent rally had gone too far. Um, But the Dow Jones ended the day in the green for the ninth day in a row, which is actually its longest streak of gains since 2017. Other than that, US Treasuries were weaker yesterday, while the US dollar, which has been struggling lately, was up yesterday, performing well against all the major crosses. And have Asian stocks followed suit? Were they also lower overnight? So they actually traded mixed. Um, Benchmark indices in Hong Kong were up, while mainland China traded around the zero line. And it was the consumer-related stocks that became the best performers in the CSI 300 index after the Chinese government announced some measures to support consumption. These measures include purchases of home appliances and cars. It was a different picture in Taiwan, where sentiment deteriorated in the semiconductor sector after TSMC cut its sales outlook for the year. And the Japanese Nikkei ticked lower as well. Uh, Speaking of Japan, overnight we received Japan's consumer prices. They rose at a faster pace in June. This is just another indication of the stickiness of inflation ahead of next week's meeting of the Bank of Japan. Um, But economists do forecast a slowdown in consumer prices in the coming months. So the yen initially jumped on the news, but then steadied somewhat. Now let's turn to commodities. There's been a lot going on. The US Senate adopted an amendment that blocks China from buying oil from the US's emergency stockpiles. Then we have India that banned shipments of non-basmati white rice so that they can keep domestic prices steady. And then there's wheat prices. They're up more than 10% over the last three days. What more can you tell us here, Lucia? So This is because of threats from both Russia and Ukraine regarding the Black Sea. 
Uh, both countries have warned that ships entering each other's ports could be considered military targets. So the Black Sea is a key exit route for agricultural commodities, and the threats really do increase the risk that the global food trade will face increasing challenges and the prices could rise. Uh, more broadly, the Bloomberg Commodity Index is on track for its third weekly gain. This is also being driven by rising natural gas futures in both Europe and the US. This is caused by the extreme summer heat and electricity demand for air conditioning. Oil is also on track for a fourth weekly gain, while gold has retreated from a two-month high on recent dollar strength. Okay, so definitely good to keep an eye on further developments in commodities then. And what else should we be looking out for today then? So over the weekend or before the markets open on Monday, the Nasdaq 100 will be rebalanced to reduce the dominance of some big tech companies in the index. The rebalancing together with a flood of options expiring today could lead to some interesting trading activity in the market. And then in political news, before we forget, Spain will hold a snap election on Sunday. It will be interesting to see if the ruling Social Democrats can hold their seat. However, there are some polls suggesting that the conservative opposition could win. This would signal a shift from the left to the right, and it would be interesting to see what would come with such a shift. Um, as for markets, European futures are trading mixed currently, and so are US futures. Um, so let's see what the day has in store for us. Back to you. Great. Thanks very much, Lucia, for the comprehensive summary. Thanks for having me, Helen. Now, Manuel, thanks for joining us this morning as well. So I know you've been talking a lot recently about Bitcoin's supply mechanisms. Can you share a bit about this now? Good morning, Helen. Absolutely. So you know, Bitcoin has extended its year-to-date rally on the emerging euphoria around the potential launch of spot ETFs in the U.S. is added to the already bullish market mood, which reflected in expectations of this end of the U.S. monetary tightening and a less harsh U.S. regulatory regime. But more specifically, when, when we are speaking about Bitcoin supply, I, I see some accumulation going on. So far more than 70% of Bitcoin supply has not changed hands in over a year. And at the same time, you have the supply distribution where miners control close to 10% of Bitcoin supply. Then you have exchanges controlling around 9% of Bitcoin's supply. And the rest of the supply is, is distributed among multiple other holders of different sizes. We have these Bitcoin whales, so-called Bitcoin whales that hold close to 20% of the supply. So and the, the reason I'm talking about this is that in the open market, in exchanges, there is no liquidity. So order books are, are really unlikely to be able to withstand large orders. You know, and, and these scarce supplies should add to short-term upside potential if these ETFs uh, news are, are approved, right? So... I think I think it's a very complicated situation the asset managers would be in if they would have to go out to the open market and buy the bitcoins because there is little liquidity. So the prices should see a glass ceiling as much as they can see a glass floor because the order books have no depth. 
And what factors then do you think could start off Bitcoin's next rally? Yeah, so I, I think there are four things going on right now. And the first one is is bottom-up, is Bitcoin's halving. It's expected to happen next year on April 2024. Uh, the block reward will decrease from 6.25 to 3.125 Bitcoins. This means that every time the miners finish off a block in the blockchain, you'll get half of the rewards and mining will become more energy intensive and costly than it is today. So on one end, we have the halving. On the other end, we have regulation. There have been multiple talks in the U.S. trying to bring some some clarity towards the matter. The SEC hasn't been uh, very collaborative. They they have set up a, a special committee with a over or with the watchdogs to kind of bring some clarity to a matter, but but if regulation becomes favorable, it could also be a catalyst. The spot ETF approval can also indicate some potential demand, and with the supply problems we currently uh, we currently have out there in the open market, it can also trigger prices. And lastly, we have the macroeconomic conditions. So. Indeed, we expect 25 bips, as I said before, and uh, cryptos have behaved just in line as risk on assets. So if if expectations meet uh, actual targets, um, cryptos will likely behave in line with risk on assets and all their equities and so on. So that that would be the four big things which I consider could catalyze Bitcoin prices in the, in the short to medium term. Okay, great. Thanks a lot, Manuel. Good to get your latest thoughts on this. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guest this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We would love to hear your feedback. And do join us again next week. Bernadette will be back on Monday and she'll be speaking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. But until then, have a great day, everyone, and then a great weekend. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.